Welcome to Saints and Sisters, a conversational podcast about faith, moral compass, and the role that God plays in our lives. Follow along as we explore different books and literature, scripture, and the current headlines as guideposts. For today's book selection, we took two weeks to read Something Other Than God by Jennifer Fulweiler. Something Other Than God was published in 2014, and it's a snapshot of Jennifer's faith exploration over a series of years, as she went from being newly married and agnostic, or atheist, to a fully initiated Catholic with three young children. I feel like we chose this book because that by the title, it kind of sounded like what we were trying to do in Seeking Happiness but also trying to figure out what role, if any, God or religion plays in our lives. Yeah. I have a takeaway and I have a beef, but I thought maybe start with the takeaways, start with the good news, because I really liked her idea of uh, giving God the benefit of the doubt. So like my main takeaway when she talks about, and I can't get the page numbers because when I read it on the Kindle, there's probably a way to know the page number, like how it would correspond, you know, but I haven't figured it out. So the part where she says, I'd been working from the premise that a loving God could not allow suffering. And so every time I encountered it, it set me into a tailspin of questioning everything I thought I knew about God. Standing in the middle of the room, I closed my eyes, let myself be in silence for a moment. And then I changed my premise out of a sheer sense of duty. I whispered to God, I'll start by assuming that you're good. I'll begin with the belief that you do love us and all of us. So her journey to seeing God's basic goodness resonated with me because I've struggled a lot with the idea of human suffering and how does that align with believing in God? You know, like how could God, how could a loving God allow so much suffering and pain? And she learns at one point from her child's caregiver, Irma, when she's telling her story about knowing God is with you, even if it's not in the form of answered prayers, you can know that God is with you. It's like she's talking about how her, uh, they were praying for blankets and you know god gave them blankets or or they got blankets and she was saying you know that's how she knew god was with them and i felt that in my life for certain but anyway it kind of gave me a little opening to think just because we have suffering doesn't mean that god's not with us yeah and i think uh kind of considering suffering and how that fits with god could even be a complete episode on its own just considering suffering but one of the Main things is that because God wants to give free will, because if we didn't have free will, we wouldn't be able to choose God. And so it would be a sense of something that was forced rather than an actual loving because we're choosing it. And so, but if he gives us free will, then that means we can also choose sin. So there's something called permissive will. And so like God permits people to make choices in order for them to have free will to make the choice whether or not to choose him. Rather than it being like if he was going to remove all suffering in the world, he would have to take away free will because then people would have to do what is good rather than having a choice. So that's part of it. But I think that's probably something that can take a lot to grapple with. So I feel like there was uh, like a certain up to a certain point of the book where I felt like I was like, yes, like she was totally voicing how I have felt. And I feel like her like life path not her career path obviously or like living in a big city in a fancy apartment but her age ranges of like when things happened were similar to mine and so I felt like that connection to her but then there came a point obviously when I diverged from where she has seen herself going and some of the parts I really appreciated just the general like yearning to find something whatever that ended up being because she did she obviously started out 
not thinking that God was going to be the something that she found. But she really wanted to find something. And when as she walked through all the steps about like, you know, having the papers where she was following along with the, you know, the ancient writings, and they perfectly matched up still with what you're saying in the mass, that that no matter where you can go, the mass is going to be the same. I love that part. We were talking about one of the questions you asked was, uh, if it made us wonder about the role of the sacraments in our life, like she had been baptized and she'd never even thought about it as like a significant event other than it happened. And it says, what did your first recu- reconciliation make you wonder about? And I think that I have probably felt this the entire time. Reconciliation has always made me feel uncomfortable. I never feel like it's genuine at this point in my life. I feel like, I can do something crappy and I either realize that I've done it and I apologize or I don't realize it and I get called out on it and I apologize to the person that I affected. And I don't really feel the need to like seek out a third party to be my intermediary remedy the things that I've done that are wrong. And I feel like I've been like much more conscientious about trying not to hurt people, like specifically with like gossip. Um, Like, I just don't engage in gossip anymore. And it never made me feel good in the first place. It was just like a way to try to, again, belong. Even if it wasn't particularly mean, like, I don't feel like I was ever trying to be mean, but it never felt good. And so as I've like slowly taken all those things out of my life, I feel like I'm seeking again to find some way to belong. But as far as reconciliation goes, I don't, I have to justify with an intermediary. So when like, you think of an intermediary, are you talking about the priest or are you talking about yes, God? The priest. So one thing about reconciliation that I think a lot of people don't necessarily think about, or that I didn't really think about until I was hearing about it more as an adult is, well, just the sense of that the sacraments are for us. They're gifts for us. It's not that God needs it. It's that he knows that we need it. And so reconciliation is considered a sacrament of healing And so part of the power is that the priest in Persona Christi, when you're absolved of your sins, he says, I absolve you of your sins in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. There's a whole, there's a prayer that goes with that. But often we carry the weight of our sins and we feel bad about it. Even if we apologize, we still feel bad. And even after reconciliation, there's still a sense of sometimes you can feel bad. But so if you just, you know, like if you were saying to God, like, I feel sorry for this just on your own. Well, you don't necessarily hear God speak back when you're sitting in reconciliation and then the priest absolves you of your sins in persona Christi, then that's God telling you, you are forgiven. So it's in that sense, it's considered a sacrament of healing because it's God forgiving you of your sins. And then also there's a sense of grace of the sacrament that sometimes people can feel a weight being lifted. I mean, it can, people may or may not feel, but just And some of it is just with faith recognizing. So I guess when I asked the question, part of it was wondering, like maybe recognizing that as adults, if you haven't necessarily had a chance to really understand the sacraments, then it might, I think if we're just relying on what we learned when we were younger, because I even think about, I can't remember for sure, but with reconciliation, I obviously had my first still doesn't make me feel any better about it I know (laughs) like I still don't feel like I have to tell like there are certain things that I appreciate like I think it's wonderful like if somebody wants to pray for you like in dad's church when the priesthood will give blessings to people like 
when Uncle Wayne came in and gave a blessing to dad when he was in the hospital. Like those things I feel like are powerful That's because so it, and even though it is a just a person, I feel like for me, I'm just not at the space where I think that God is acting through that man any differently than he could act through somebody who's just having a conversation with God, even if they don't talk back. Like, I guess I don't feel like I need to have somebody's actual voice saying, okay, you are forgiven. Cause I still feel like it's just yeah, that person yeah. saying it. Well, and I guess makes sense? part of it too, then I guess the other angle uh, is the sense of overall salvation and knowing that Jesus said to the apostles, what you bind on earth is bound. What you loose on earth is loose. And so that's the sense of when he, just the sense of institution of reconciliation. And so when thinking about how, if we are in a state of mortal sin, when we die in the sense of that, then you could, that could result in eternity in hell, then that's part of it too. So I guess, um, but like, if I don't believe in, I, mean, I guess part of it's just like, <laughs> what if we don't believe right. in well, yeah. Amanda's like, I'm not doing this with you guys anymore. <laughs> No, I mean, I guess just part of it is, I mean, because I have these conversations with just my kids over time and as if they have questions or wondering or like mom doesn't believe in hell unless she's changed. And I think part of it's because she, I kind of think that part of it is that she doesn't necessarily want to have to think about how some people that she loves might end up in hell, I think (laughs) is part of it. Um, But also just the sense of that she kind of has a sense of if God is stopped, (laughs) but just the sense of if God is loving, then, um, then how could he allow anyone to go to hell? But it's that people choose kind of when I was talking earlier about free will and how he has to allow our will in order for it to be authentic love, because he can't force us to want to be in heaven with them. We choose it. And so, yeah, I guess part of that would be as you explore the faith more than that would come alongside of, that you kind of do need to believe in heaven and hell to see a purpose in reconciliation probably. And if you don't, then maybe it's kind of one of those scenarios where it's not necessarily something that you'd be ready for yet. Do you mean like the act of reconciliation as a sacrament, not like actually physically reconciling? I feel like it's more important to me that I reconcile with the actual person that I hurt or did wrong to than it is for me to sit in a box in a room with a guy and have them tell me it's all okay. Well, so reconciliation would be like if you're concerned with reconciling with God, because sin damages our relationship with God. And so okay. if it's venial sin, it's to some extent where it's damaged. But if it's mortal sin, you're cutting off your relationship with God. So I think that that's part of where the sense of belief has to come in with where you're at in your beliefs and whether or not you care. Or, I mean, first you have to, whether or not you believe that there's a God. Then if you believe that there's God, then if you understand sin and what it does to the relationship, and if you have the desire to want to repair that relationship, then that's where reconciliation comes in. But if you aren't at a point where you believe in heaven and hell, and you're not necessarily where you don't necessarily know if you believe in God or not, then that would have a sense, you know, that would impact what you think about reconciliation. Because, yeah, I think it would probably feel pretty awkward if you don't believe in God necessarily and you don't see it as reconciling with God, then it might feel awkward to just go and talk to. If you're just viewing it as just going and talking to a priest, completely disconnected from your life. And I guess, cause then you don't like, if you don't see it as a source of healing for you and something that God is giving to you as a gift to help you, then it probably would be hard to see the importance or the value. 
feel like I'm like six steps before I would be able to understand what I, if I feel like, I don't ever remember feeling anything authentic in reconciliation. Like I remember going to, I mean, confession and reconciliation are the same thing, right? Like when you say you're going to confession. Yeah. Yes. That's the same thing. So, so it's kind of like confession is that you're confessing your sins. Reconciliation is that repairing of the relationship with God. Yeah. Okay. So I don't remember ever feeling, you know, any sense of like, Oh, when the priest said, you know, when he absolved me and sent me, you know, to go back out into the pews and say the Hail Marys, I don't ever remember feeling like you were saying the intermediary, like God has forgiven me. I don't remember feeling anything different. I feel like I just made up list of stuff, you know, like, Oh, I was mean to my sister. I was, you know, it didn't feel like it really changed me. Do you, so have you, have either of you gone to confession as an adult or are you kind of basing on when you were younger? When I was younger. I went to it before I got married. I haven't gone since then. Uh, That's not true. I went with Henry when he had his first reconciliation. Oh, and you, and with the, because you went to parent meetings prior to, his reconciliation, right? Or not? Oh yeah. Every week for like, so do you feel like you had a, yeah. (laughs) Do you feel like through those parent meetings that you had a sense, like did either you feel like you had a, so through those parent meetings, did you feel like you had a sense of what reconciliation was, why it would be beneficial and like how to prepare? Or do you feel like you didn't necessarily get that? So then you went in kind of just going through the motions without necessarily believing it was important or, believing it was a value of value or um I mean I feel like I know what it is but I still kind of feel like it's talking to the priest I don't know I still kind of feel like I'm just like making stuff up to fill the space like I don't want to talk to him about my sexual habits or whatever else like I just don't um and I don't feel like anything that I do in my own marriage is a sin so I don't know like for like for example I think about it and I'm like what the heck does Amanda have to talk about <laughs> I know. <His> confession. <laughs> I, like, I thought in kind things about my sisters who are heathens because they're going to hell. Like, <laughs> like I don't understand. Like, like you, you go, go every single day. week. Like, what do you possibly have to talk about? Like, you go to church every day. Like, how much closer can you be to God? I don't go to. I don't go to confession every week. Um, oh. I my goal. Like, I typically go about once a month. Okay. Sometimes I have like a couple times. One time during Advent, I decided to go once a week. But yeah, that's not typical. And I only started going once a month about the time that my second daughter was going through her reconciliation and then the priest recommended it. And that was also about the time where I was better understanding my faith as an adult. So that's when I started going once a month. But the official church teaching is once a year, like as a minimum that people practicing Catholics go once a year at least. And again, that's kind of... (laughs) yeah (laughs) well and that's why when people go to confession that's why they tell the priest how long it's been since their last confession because it gives the priest a context to know like what type of confession to expect and to help kind of guide the person like this is going to take a long time or you're fine yeah or like sometimes people might say you know like it's been 20 years since my last confession but then might say some little thing and then so sometimes they can kind of guide them through to have uh good confession or, you know, to help them process through, or sometimes people might just feel overwhelmed with, you know, like, well, I don't know 
yeah. <laughs> I don't know. If, so I think yeah. in some ways, like the takeaway, the takeaway for now would maybe be just that it's something that you don't quite see the value yet, or you wonder. Yeah, for sure. Like I don't criticize it. I don't think I don't like. I feel like this about basically. Well, I shouldn't say everything. But all of like the rites and rituals, I don't have any problems for anybody else to do it. Like, I don't think it's stupid. It's just not like, it just doesn't feel genuine to me. Obviously, like I see value in like the rite of baptism just because it feels like what you're supposed to do. <clears throat> but reconciliation has kind of always been one that I didn't quite. Yeah, I just don't, I don't like the idea of having to, it to go through an intermediary. Yeah, uh, and I guess. True story, uh, the I downloaded the Apple iPhone app for confession and obviously it says that it doesn't take the place of real <laughs> confession, but it like walks you through, like, what have you done? So you can be re- Yeah. I confess. <laughs> I downloaded when we were living in a space. She is like, that is not. It's Stop talking teacher's pet. It's supposed to be a tool to help you be organized <laughs> to do the confession. It's not supposed to take place of confession, but I was using it like that. Like, yeah, cool. I'm cool. I'm cool. Good. I haven't murdered anyone. I haven't like, I haven't tortured any pets. I haven't cheated on my husband. I don't want to have sex with my neighbor's husband. I'm good. Like, dear father jobs. (laughs) Dear father, Steve, forgive me, father, for I have sinned. I did not download the your father Steve Jobs. I used Firefox three times this week. <laughs> I bought a product that was not Apple. Yeah. So <laughs> I lusted up an Android. So <laughs> the one thing that I was gonna say is the reason why I kind of forgot why I was asking you guys whether or not you'd gone to confession as an adult, but part of it was because I don't know, know that I necessarily <laughs> No, no, just that I don't necessarily have an experience in my mind from when I was younger of feeling like it was a powerful sense of or a powerful experience in reconciliation. It was probably not until five or six years ago to where then I've had multiple times where I have the sense of the priest working in persona Christi because I might not necessarily say something in my confession, but then what the priest says to me is exactly what I needed to hear. Um, or I mean, when I said that, yeah, so like along the lines of I would be saying my sins, but then the words that the priest would give back to me wouldn't don't really seem like they connect with what I was saying, but it was like exactly what I needed to hear or connecting pieces together that I wasn't seeing a connection and it wouldn't have been something that the priest would just know on their own. And so that's where I have kind of had a sense of the sacrament working as in persona Christi. Now it doesn't work every single time. So it's not like every single time I go to reconciliation, I feel that strong sense. So it's kind of like prayer in general, how sometimes you might feel a strong sense of presence and other times you don't, but just having the faith that something's happening or that there's grace in the sacrament. um, Once you get to a point to believe in the sacrament or feel a sense of value in it. So I guess that was probably a turning point for me. Kind of reminded me, of the time when you were asking about if there was a moment in your life when, when you heard the voice of God, like <clears throat> when, when she was talking about the unexpected thought coming, when she said, you're going to marry that man today's your, your life's going to change. Like I've had moments like that where I feel, I definitely felt God's presence or like something guiding me 
<clears throat> and it was definitely something or someone who knew me better than I knew myself. Like that's probably the closest. Cause I've never felt, you know, that like in confession, but I think it's like you said, it's as a child, I don't think as a child, you really understand even what to listen for. So I'd have to, I'd have to go back. But have you had moments yeah. like that you guys where you felt, you know, like you gave the example of mom feel, hearing the voice and. Well, I feel like I have always, I don't know. Like I always, sometimes I go the more like psychic route. <laughs> like I feel like I have like ESP or something sometimes, which I know is very woo woo and probably not uh whatever. But I just, I feel like I have like, I'm pretty in tune to my like gut feelings. Like my intuition is generally pretty good. And so sometimes I feel like I will have like a dream about something and then it happens, but then I don't know how often it is just that I dream about that stuff all the time. And then it happens to happen one day. And I think it's the dream that did it, but I don't know that I've ever like attributed it to being like the voice of God so much as just like my intuition, which I don't know. I guess sometimes people think like, well, what if your intuition is the voice of God that you just need to listen to? Yeah. There's all different things that people talk about related to that. And, and so just knowing that also with baptism and with confirmation, because we've all been baptized and confirmed that there's the gifts and fruits of the Holy Spirit that manifest in different ways in different people's lives. And so your sense of intuition could be linked with a way that God is working through your life specifically. And like, as you, maybe as you focus on it more, it might make more sense over time, like certain patterns or, but I mean, there's also kind of the sense of your guardian angel there's God, there's the saints, there's, I mean, it could be. Yeah. I wouldn't say so, like, I don't have that many experiences where I hear, but like there was one time where I was trying to make a choice about something. Um, and I had decided that I was going to like, that I was going to pray a rosary every day in the month of July and kind of journal my thinking. And I wanted to like make a choice by the end of the month. <laughs> um, and like the voice that came to me in short. Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and close to the end, the voice that came to me in prayer was like, Amanda, you put so much pressure on yourself to like choose the right thing. Either of these choices is fine. And so I felt like that that was, that wasn't a voice, that wasn't me speaking to myself. It wasn't a voice that I heard audibly, but I feel like that was in an instance where God was talking to me and letting me know what I needed to hear. And that wasn't something that I was going to bring up on my own because it was, I was putting all that pressure on myself to there's a right choice and God let me know what the right choice is because whatever the right choice is, I, that's what I want to do. But instead it was like, yeah, I'm not going to give you a response to this. I'm just going to let you know either's fine. And then things unfolded as they were going to. Yeah. So I think one thing that I noticed also as I was thinking back on this book is that um, her tagline is interesting because I don't feel like I feel like she used that tagline in her like book proposal but then didn't ever actually like how I passionately sought happiness and accidentally found it I didn't feel like at all she was ever searching for happiness like she wasn't a particularly unhappy person I feel like she from the very beginning I feel like she was specifically studying to see if God exists or not I think she's searching fulfillment Maybe. I don't know. I don't, I feel like her happiness almost always stemmed from material things. I don't think it ended up happening through God. Like it was always like the house she wanted or whatever. And she has spoken a lot because I listened to her podcast and she still kind of defends her focus on material things, making her 
happy or fulfilled. And that's fine. Like, I think it's just something that you should own. Like, some people just really like to have nice things. And she definitely does. But I don't think that she was like this unhappy person stumbling around to try all these different things. Like, it's not like she tried yoga for a month or tried whatever. Like, she was specifically looking to see, is God the thing that's going to fill this hole that I feel in my life? Because it says something other than God, but she wasn't actually looking for anything other than God. I guess it would be the difference of happiness without God versus with God, maybe, because for so long she was wanting to not believe. And where she, like the big part of her earlier journey of where she talked about intentional forgetting and wonderful distractions. And like, she didn't want to talk about, she referred to it as an awareness of mortality and she just wanted to avoid all that. And so I think in some ways it was a sense of just wanting to be happy without having to think about life after death or whether or not there was meaning and purpose in life without something after life. So I wonder if that's kind of where she was viewing it as trying to find happiness with all those things that she tried to distract herself with. Maybe. Yeah. And so I feel like I didn't get as much from the book as I was hoping for. It wasn't, it wasn't quite what I expected. Um, I thought that it would be more, I don't know what I thought it would be. I thought it'd be more examined. Like I thought it would be more, I don't even know what the, what the word is, but I felt like it was um, like a hindsight rewriting of her experience, knowing that she became Catholic, like full fledged. And so I feel like a lot of stuff maybe that would have been, I don't know, dissuaded her from being Catholic or whatever kind of got left out. And so it felt kind of clunky. Like she went from literally being like a full on atheist, living this fast paced life to living with her mom again and deciding to be like fully Catholic with no birth control and having 800 kids. Like it felt like it was kind of revisionist history or something. I'm not sure. But um, if any of you guys want to give like things that you think of for that first part of the book, because I know that a lot of us had like some big feelings about her kind of 180 on a certain topic that we'll talk about in the second half. So if you guys have any like final follow-up well i would say the one thing that go ahead but you can go ahead and go sherry oh i just would say i really i liked your um first of all i really like that you give us all of these really good questions to think about because oh my gosh i know i'm like yes when you at one point her husband says to her you've been following the rules as part of an intellectual investigation are you seeking god like he's a person or like he's a concept and so i feel like that also resonated with me because I do feel like I, I understand the concept of religion and the concept of much of the ritual and the, um, the structure of the Catholic church. Although every time I hear you talk about, it, I'm like, Oh, <laughs> I don't really understand anything about it. <laughs> so like more like as from a child's perspective, cause that's what I really remember. But I think that I have been seeking like to really feel a concrete, like guiding presence in my life. Like if I'm going to commit to a religion, like I want it to feel more than just like a spiritual feeling you, that I could get by going on a walk. Or like, I don't want it to just be like, well, I could just join a weekly yoga class right. and hang out afterwards. Like, like I don't just I, want the ritual. I do want to feel. 
think that's part of it. Like, I just feel so left out. Like, what is wrong with me that I can't feel what all these other people are obviously feeling? Like, is it a big joke and everyone else is also not feeling it? And they're just like, haha, sucka, you got to pretend harder. Or am I broken? Like, is there just something like off? <laughs> yeah, there's, I mean, with faith, there's a lot as far as the sense that I guess I'm trying to think. So St. Saint, um, Ignatius talks about discernment of the spirits and how God tries to reach out to people in different ways, depending on where they're at in their journey. And so that would be something to like study up on <laughs> future episode because I, it's something that I'm fascinated with, but I'm or not. Discernment. discernment of the spirits. Discernment. So like, okay. it's not something that I know enough to be able to like explain it, but it's something that I've heard quite a bit. And it makes sense to me as far as, the way that God kind of reaches out to people at different points, depending on where they're at. And within that, sometimes people sense God's present more presence more than others. So it's not necessarily that you would always feel a presence, but usually there's enough, like when you're seeking that usually God will reach out to you in some concrete way that makes sense to you to be able to recognize it, to then sustain through the times when you can't necessarily notice or sense the presence of much. So like Mother Teresa would be someone that I know, you guys can imagine and picture. And, but what a lot of people didn't know was that for decades of her life towards the end, she didn't sense God's presence at all. And um, it was, yeah, like the last decades of her life, she couldn't feel God's presence at all. But it was like she was sustained based on having earlier on in her life a strong sense of God's presence. So it was a great act of faith. So I guess that's one thing as far as like, it would be hard if you never really had a sense of having that connection of feeling like it was real. But then um, once people do believe or have that sense, then often it's not necessarily like a guarantee where they're always going to feel it. So it does take kind of a sense of patience and watching because sometimes God is reaching out in many ways that people don't notice because they're not necessarily looking for it or open to it. Um, But then it could also be that people are seeking and really want it, but they don't necessarily feel it just because God is working in their lives in a different way at that point of time. If that makes sense it does Sarah's comment just about like it feeling like it was really fast I think it would be really hard to write a book like about your process of seeking and a journey like once you do know how it unfolded then I think it would be hard to go back and write it to to make it feel and also just knowing that like you would have to edit out so many things or certain layers wouldn't be as vivid and so it might seem like how was that enough to make that big of a shift I guess yeah, just I, based on both length of the book, but also like what you remember and how things line up. And yeah. And I like, I will fully acknowledge and we're going to talk about this in the next episode, the second half of the book where things really kind of went off the rails for me. But I think that in hindsight, because of how, how the whole thing ended up playing out, I'm sure there's part of it that I just don't like it in retrospect because I didn't like how she treated the subject of sexuality. Well, I think part of it is the sense that when we talked informally, um, not on this recorded podcast, but when we talked informally, you talked about feeling a sense of hope as you were early on in the book. Yes. It was but so then disappointing. that sense of hope kind of went away. <laughs> yeah. It was what? It was so disappointing because I felt like I was like, yes, like so many of the things that are important to her are what's important to me. And clearly she's reconciled these things because She's like a full on Catholic. Like I followed her on Instagram for years and I guess I just never knew enough about her early journey or like how she felt. And I I haven't really seen her 
speak out um, on this specific topic. So I thought, yes, like finally, like I found somebody who's like got a big public platform who feels the same way I feel about those issues. And then like within three pages, it was just like hopes dashed. So it was super yeah, disappointing. So I almost wonder if it was, if it just felt like too big of a shift and where you could relate and you could relate and you could relate, but then it was like, but you weren't on that journey of the space of time that she actually had. And I know you talked about how it felt like there wasn't a space of time, but really it had been like her whole, like from the time she was 11 building, thinking through these, some layers of it. And then those specific issues, of course, it did feel like it was a much shorter span of time. But I think when we, one of my questions I thought was, I think I had something along the lines of, is there anything that you feel like you're clinging to or like that you, you know, your strongest convictions. And I know that this will come up in the next one, but I think anytime we have a certain sense of conviction that we don't want to envision ourselves ever changing on, then, then that's going to strike a bigger sense of uh, like evoke a stronger emotion. If someone is shifting in that area, just because we're not ready to even think about whether or or we feel firm that no, I would never change in that area. So I think that could be just that sense of you had a sense of hope, but then there was too big of like she went through a process that was not where you're at yet, and it then just felt like a letdown. Yeah, and probably shaped the rest of the book of kind of feeling like that the part you that you were enjoying from earlier on you couldn't enjoy as much anymore because then you saw where it headed. <laughs> For sure. Well, and I think that also, honestly, there was things that I overlooked because I thought it's okay. Like I can, I can excuse that. Like I can, it's okay. But then it got to a certain point. I was like, nope, all done. Okay. So I think that that's probably it for this week. And then next week we are going to discuss the church and sexuality. Um, And so that's obviously a big topic. So we're just going to stick to a couple things in half hour or so. So I've been looking up some stuff. So we'll see.